0: Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to receive support from VCU Massey Cancer Center. Massey Cancer Center wants you to imagine a future without cancer. All it takes is one, a revolutionary idea, a promising clinical trial, or a new breakthrough. See how Massey is developing new approaches to prevent and treat cancer for every person in every community. Learn more about this future for everyone at MasseyCancerCenter.org.
1: Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to thank Team Henry Enterprises for their support of our show. Team Henry Enterprises is a black-owned contracting firm specializing in office, retail, medical, multifamily, and higher education construction of all scopes and sizes. In the wake of the George Floyd protest, Team Henry is the very firm contracted by the city of Richmond to take down the Confederate monuments in Richmond and by many other municipalities to remove other Confederate monuments around Virginia and throughout the Southeast. Learn more about Team Henry and how they can help your community rebuild, renovate, Or design at TeamHenryENT.com. I'm Kelly Lemon.
0: And I'm Michael Paul Williams.
1: And welcome to the After the Monuments podcast, where we look at events and news about race in a historical context and see how, too often, history repeats itself. Hey friends, we've got some end of the summer vacation going on right now, so we're skipping this week of a traditional After the Monuments episode. But we do have a bonus here we think you'll like. While we've been doing the show, Michael Paul has been doing another podcast with a friend of ours, Mallory No Pain. Mallory's a local radio reporter here in Richmond who spent the majority of 2021 researching in Germany for the very podcast she's producing with Michael Paul called Memory Wars. It's a great listen that we think listeners of After the Monuments will really enjoy. And they record it out of our studio, so it goes together nicely. It's about how Germany has worked since World War II to overcome their history of hate and discrimination, and whether or not America can even overcome ours. It fits well with what we talk about on After the Monuments. We'll start you with the prologue that offers an overview of the show, and hope you'll subscribe to Memory Wars wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon with a new episode of After the Monuments. All right, here is Memory Wars. January
2: 6, 2021, was the day a mob stormed the U.S. Capitol. But it was also the day I left for Germany. I was in a near-empty airport outside D.C. waiting for my flight when CNN live coverage started. I sat next to my husband and the handful of other travelers in the airport. It was near-empty, not many international travelers in the middle of a pandemic. But I remember a janitor who stopped his sweeping and stared at the television. We all watched, together, speechless, as the crowds broke down barricades a few miles away from where we were. They climbed walls, cloaked in Confederate flags. Entitlement, rage. I knew it because I recognized it. I'm a reporter, and I cover politics and policy in my hometown, Richmond, Virginia, the former capital of the Confederacy. As I watched the insurrection unfold on TV, I had flashbacks. Flashbacks to covering the aftermath of the white supremacist Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. I wrote an obituary for Heather Heyer, the young woman killed by a man who drove his car into the crowd. Flashbacks to the years of covering protests and hostile meetings about what to do with Confederate monuments. Flashbacks to a pro-gun rights rally in Richmond when thousands converged at the statehouse carrying giant guns and waving don't tread on me flags. I could see a straight line between the Capitol insurrection and the rising tensions I had covered for years in Virginia. Tension rooted in a twisted pride of heritage Tensions that were not new. When my hometown of Richmond appears in the news, it's often followed by the words, former capital of the Confederacy. It's a place where the losers of the Civil War won the memory battle, where white supremacists rewrote history to cast themselves as martyrs, placing their slave-holding heroes on pedestals. Literally. Literally. I've been watching my community suffocate under the weight of a past we haven't dealt with. And as a reporter covering these issues, I increasingly felt less hopeful about something changing. I needed to do something different, to approach it all from a different vantage point. And that's how I came to be in the airport, boarding a flight to Munich, Germany, setting out on a year-long journey to try to get perspective. Many countries harbor shameful pasts, but none quite as infamous as Germany. The country has built a reputation on confronting the horror of that past, of the Holocaust, of Nazi fascism. What has it taken for this society to face up to guilt and sin? How have they pushed aside pride and instead reached towards atonement? And is it possible for us to do the same? I spent a year in Germany. I traveled to memorial sites and museums, read more than a dozen books, and recorded countless hours of conversations with activists, historians, families, descendants of victims, descendants of perpetrators. This is the result of that work. The stories I heard, the lessons I learned, and my attempts to process how any of it might apply to my
0: community. My community, too. I'm Michael Paul Williams, columnist with the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And I'll be joining Mallory as we take this journey, this journey through memory, looking for lessons we can apply not just to Richmond, but to the nation as we face our unresolved past. I'm Mallory No Pain, And I'm Michael Paul Williams.
2: And this is Memory Wars, a podcast exploring... How Society Confronts Sin. Mike is a columnist for the Richmond (laughs) Times-Dispatch, and for 30 years he's been writing about the city and the state's racist past and present, constantly calling on his community, our community, to do better. That work recently won him a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, In fact, Mike, on your Pulitzer biography page, it says you've both won the prestigious Neiman Fellowship And the honorific from a local magazine of a reporter who, quote, makes you want to tear up the newspaper and that you're equally proud of both.
0: I'm sure there are bits of the Times-Dispatch still floating around nowadays with (laughs) my column face on them.
2: Have you gotten a lot of responses like that to your writing over the years?
0: Yes. um, Back when that um, piece was written, I would routinely get cutouts of my column with Uh BS spelled out. Not the abbreviation, written down the rail of the column. And I thought that was a thing in the past. And then about a couple of months ago, I got one of those. It was like.
2: Like someone had cut out your column, mm -hmm. written bullshit on it, Mm -hmm. and then mailed it
0: to you. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of other stuff. I mean, it was a critique. I appreciate constructive criticism. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
2: I'm curious how do you see this project, our project, fitting into that work that you've already been doing for decades?
0: Well, I think what we're trying to get at is the truth. And I think columns at their best are about truth-telling. They're about delving into uncomfortable truths, delving into past sins that we really haven't atoned for and, and reached a point of comfort with. So it's about mining uncomfortable history.
2: I mean, for me, this is about helping people do something different, about helping people see things through a new lens. This whole series, we're going to be talking about Germany a lot. That's what I've been doing for the past year. But ultimately, right, it's not about Germany.
0: It is the greatest irony, a sad irony, in my view, that in Richmond, Virginia, We have a Holocaust museum, but in our own backyard, there is no memorial to the slave trade that was the primary driver by far of the Richmond economy before the Civil War. And so we are much better at examining the Holocaust, it would seem, uh, than we are our own history, at least the history of enslavement.
2: And I'm glad you brought that up because both the Holocaust, the transatlantic slave trade Both represent this systematic dehumanization, a society that not only looks the other way in the face of murder and slave labor, but creates systems that legalize and support it and justify it. And Mm -hmm. so both places are faced with the undoing of that Mm -hmm. after the fact. Right. What we're comparing is the response. Yes. Um, We decided on the name Memory Wars in part because you felt so strongly about how this battle over how Americans reflect on our past is actually just very central to people's lives today. Um, I feel like that's what you write about. How do you see that unfold in our community, the implications on people's lived experiences?
0: We live the lives produced by an unresolved past. The past just doesn't go away. The past informs everything that we live through, including the failures of our public policy, um, the way that our public policies leave our most vulnerable citizens exposed in all sorts of ways, uh, determine our life outcomes, our lifespans, our relative wealth or lack thereof, our encounters with the criminal justice system, and our, our relative chances of being incarcerated. It affects everything. There is no past, as far as I'm concerned, and and especially in America, where our past original sin of white supremacy and racism continues to inform everything that this nation is about today uh, to the point that it threatens the American ideal. We are living both with sin of the past and sin of the present.
2: So do we think that re-remembering our past, facing up to America's original sin, can can help solve those disparities, can do something about it today.
0: It's a start. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't you I mean, every journey begins with the first step. And in myriad ways, we have not taken that first step. Yeah. And it's tragic.
2: Yeah. So, um, so, so we're not going to necessarily solve it all, but, but maybe. We're set not?
0: A... <laughs> is that why, the why, why am I here? I sold a bill of goods.
2: <laughs> we'll set a foundation. <laughs> okay.
0: I can live with that.
2: And, and the bottom line though is, is we have to set a foundation, right? It's the only way forward.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, I was watching the January 6th insurrection, probably with different thoughts than a lot of people. And uh, the thoughts, I'm sure, of the masses were of horror. And I had all of that, but also part of my thinking was this is a natural culmination of all the delusion, all the myth, all the lies, all the hate, the white supremacy. This is what happens when a nation denies the history that has informed it. So I thought, we're mortal danger as a nation. And if we don't do something different and something honest and something real, we're gonna lose it.
2: Doing something different. What could that look like? That's what we're gonna try to find out. In our first episode, we explore the occupation of West Germany and the worldview it set a foundation for. Are you proud to be German? In my generation, you aren't really
1: proud of being
2: German. Where does that come from? Because we still feel all that guilt,
1: all the bad things that have happened.
0: And the notion that telling the truth about slavery, telling the truth about Jim Crow, somehow is humiliating or uh, unpatriotic is just from the perspective of the Europeans and the Germans, is stupid.
2: The Two Reconstructions. That's episode one of Memory Wars, available in your podcast feed right now. Memory Wars is a production of Radio IQ, distributed by PRX. This research and the resulting podcast were made possible in part by a grant from the German-American Fulbright Commission. I'm Mallory Nopane, and you also heard from Michael Paul Williams. Oluwakimi Alatasui is our story editor. Additional editing from Caitlin Pierce. Our music is by Sun Rain, with sound design and mixing by Chad Skinner and Danny Ramez of Half Moon Audio. Ruth Tam designed our logo and feature image on our website. And we recorded this episode at the Studio of Virginia Video Network. You can find out more about the show and a link to suggested reading at RadioIQ.org. This podcast is supported by Radio IQ and the listeners who donate to that member station. If you appreciate innovative reporting like this, you can join those listeners by going to RadioIQ.org. And there's a donate button in the upper right hand corner. Thanks for listening.
1: After the Monuments is a Virginia Video Network production and produced by Matt Pacilli, Michael Paul Williams, and me, Kelly Lemon. Technical direction and editing from Bill Barksdale, executive production from Paul Farrell, Diane Salvatore, and Paige Mudd. Will Royer provides studio support. Our artwork is by Krishna Mathis. I'm Kelly Lemon, and we'll see you next week on After the Monuments.
0: Huge thanks to Massey Cancer Center for being our After the Monuments sponsor.